Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, The Good Life, Grounded in Forgiveness, and is based on Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22. It was delivered on Sunday, July 3rd, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. The reading from the Gospel, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. The reading begins, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So an elderly man lay dying. He had led a good life, but now caducity brings him close to the end. He mentally replayed the years. There were a lot of good experiences, a lot of wonderful memories, but he also recalled some of the hardships. But then suddenly he smelled a smell from his childhood. Yes, it was the smell of chocolate chip cookies baking. What great memories he had of his mother baking those cookies when he was a boy. And he wondered if he could have one last cookie. So in pain and with great difficulty, he got out of the bed. And he waited until the the dizziness subsided and he took step after small step until sure enough he reached the kitchen and there were the cookies on the counter and as he reached out to grab one his wife slapped his hand and said no those are for the funeral that's a terrible joke you have to admit that's that's got to be one of the worst ones yet but it was the line He led a good life that caught my eye. The good life. Who here doesn't want to live the good life? Good life. What comes to mind? We use the word good all the time. Hey, that's a good shot. It's a good distance away. Hey, we're having good weather. That was really good food. Or I had a good time. Or some might even say, I really want to live the good life. But what is it? How do you define it? Some would say the good life is looking good. And in a country like ours that idolizes youth, we always look for ways that we can improve our appearances, right? We, we, we dress a certain way. We'll spare no expense at precluding old age or looking old, right? The problem is that there's no standard, universal standard with good looks. What's good looking to you today might not be what's good looking for tomorrow. Other people think that the good life is feeling good. So you go to a nice restaurant and you have a good meal. You go on vacation, you sit in a hot tub, you're sitting down, you're reading a book, just feeling good is the good life. Good looks, feeling good. Or how about accumulating goods? 
just having stuff, acquiring more. We like our stuff, but you know what? We want more stuff. And so we're literally stuffing our lives full of stuff. Looking good, feeling good, having goods. What is the good life? What does the Bible say about it? Well, there's one verse that stands out. If you live right, the reward is the good life. And that's from the Proverbs. And we all know that's rooted in Deuteronomistic theology, the idea that if you're good, God will bless you. If you're bad, God will curse you. Does that work? Does that type of thinking work when we read a book like the book of Job where God takes everything away and he is questioned as to whether or not he curses God or not? I don't know. Is that the good life, the good life of just, you know, living right? Well, if you read more in Scripture, the good life is the life that's lived well within the bounds of God's goodness and appreciating God's goodness, God's blessings. A couple of days ago, we, we said goodbye to Harold Brander. Um, it was a beautiful funeral, and Harold used to sit right over there by the columbarium, by the middle column there. And, um, you know, COVID, COVID took its toll on a lot of us. But when I talked about Harold uh, in the funeral message, I talked about a man who had somehow found a way to live the good life, in that he was kind. He was generous. He could be stubborn, but who isn't? He found his peace with God in the theater of God's glory outside. That's why he did all the hunting and all the fishing. Out there, he was really one with God and one with himself. But inside, he found an inner peace, an inner confidence that that you can't buy anywhere in any store, a Walmart or a Target or a Costco or the convenience store down the street. Something about his life gave him that gift, that inner peace and confidence, the good life. It's a life grounded in the gospel. It's a life that's lived in forgiveness and empathy and generosity in justice and in community. The good life. The good life is good news for all who right now are disaffected and are feeling hopeless with what's going on in our country, yearning, yearning to find meaning in their lives. But we all know the good life doesn't come without its struggles. Hard times are part of the daily grind, but may bring forth unimaginable blessings. So today's gospel zooms in. It's, it's a short passage, but it zooms right in on the subject of forgiveness and forgiveness within community. And so forgiveness is really the first building block of the good life. It's the cornerstone principle of our faith. We've heard how many sermons on forgiveness? Uh, dozens, hundreds. But we are called as Christians in the New Testament to live by forgiveness. Peter approached Jesus and asks, uh, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And to be honest, that sounds like a generous plenty. 
probably more than most are willing to do. We operate by dictums like, well, if once burns shamed on you, twice burns shamed on me, or never give a person a chance to hurt you twice. And Peter, even though he was a fisherman, he knew enough about the Torah to be dangerous. He knew passages like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, don't get mad, get even, right? But in this passage, he stretches the boundaries of grace. He offers far more compassion and forgiveness than even logic or faith required. And how often should I forgive? How often? Seven times? The number seven is used 735 times in the Bible. It is a symbolic number, and in the ancient Near East, it it symbolizes completeness. And it's a number that's always linked to the creation narrative. When Jesus hears this, he looks at Peter, he says, not not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. In other words, there's no quota on forgiveness. As long as it's needed, it is required. Reminds me of something that C.S. Lewis wrote long ago. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So after this exchange between Jesus and Peter, Jesus tells a story about a man who begged the king to forgive him for a major debt that he could not repay. A debt so enormous that it could have landed him in jail. Think of like a Ponzi scheme, but bigger. So the king looks at this man and with generosity in his heart says, you're forgiven. But then the same man, the same man when faced with a neighbor who owed him just a pittance, hardly anything, refused to forgive the other man. And what jumps off the page and what grabs us by the throat, I think, is the profound difference between the beauty of the one who forgives and the ugliness of the one who holds on to a grudge. Oh, I know, it's easy to say. Just forgive and move on. Let it go. Forget about it. It's biblically, theologically, and psychologically sound, but it's also a lot easier said than done. Who in this room hasn't been hurt by somebody else? Who in this room hasn't had their trust violated? We all have. It's not easy to let go of hate when someone has hurt you. So when we hang on to grudges, it rarely harms the other person, but it almost always hurts us. It makes us miserable. And if we're being completely honest this morning, it makes us miserable to be around. So in most cases, I think forgiveness becomes not so much a gift that we give to others, but it's a gift that we offer to ourselves. The good life cannot be lived outside of forgiveness. Author Gerald Jampolsky once said, forgiveness is the key to happiness. To living the good life, inner peace can be reached only when we practice forgiveness. 
So Jesus advised Peter. And by virtue of implication, he advises us. You shall forgive not seven times, but 77 times. I know what you're thinking. Pastor Steve, this is impossible. There are people in my life I can't stand and what they did to me was despicable and wrong and they shall never be forgiven. Oh, I know this feeling. I know it. I know it. All of us here have been wronged. We've been hurt. Scripture and experience and logic all tell us that as long as we harbor hatred towards those who have hurt us, we continue to give them power over us, over our emotions, over our futures, over our very lives. How do we learn to forgive? I think the first point to be made is that we have to say in our minds, I will not let that person's darkness keep me from the light. I will not. I will not allow them that much power over my life. And I think the next step from there would be to say in our minds, I cannot repress these feelings, but instead I must process them. I must talk about them. I must share what I'm feeling with a trusted friend. I might need to go to a psychotherapist, which is a very good thing sometimes. But if that's not possible, at the bare minimum, I must talk to my loving heavenly father, mother, parent, and say to God Almighty, I can't get over this pain. I need your help. God's not going to judge us for being angry. God is going to help us heal and let go of the past and our pain. And is that not what we read in the psalm for this morning? Isn't that what Sarah read for us so beautifully? It's a blessing, these words. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, Psalm 66. Listen again. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what God has done for me. I cried aloud to God, and God was extolled with my tongue. And if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened But truly God has listened. God has heard the words of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his steadfast love from me. The psalmist could have held on to whatever pain, whatever ugly past he or she was experiencing, could have held on to that anger could have held on to the resentment. But in this passage, the psalmist turned it over to God. And when the psalmist did that, he or she experienced true freedom. Freedom. The good life. The good life. The good life built on the principle of forgiveness. It all starts there. It's choosing not to relinquish power to those who have hurt us. It's not to repress, but to process our feelings. And it is that process by which we are always 
always, always talking to God about our struggles. It's not easy. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that it is. But as C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That the key to happiness, to inner peace, is forgiveness. This leads us to the good life. And if you want to find it, the place you will find it best is right here. Right here. The one place where Jesus is host at the table set before us. Where he says, come. Come. Bring your burden. Come. Bring your pain. Come. Experience true love and forgiveness. Right here. I can help you. I will forgive Now you go and forgive as you've been forgiven. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of your word this morning. Thank you for this teaching on forgiveness. Some of us are struggling today and you know who we are, you know us by name and you know the situation. Others of us in this room can be a blessing to those who are struggling. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you move among this body and with those who are with us online. And if there's an opportunity for us to be a blessing to someone else who's in great pain, may we be sensitive to their need. Oh God, we thank you that you love us unconditionally and that when Jesus died on the cross, somehow by grace, all wrongdoing is forgiven. If only we would acknowledge that this is your gift to humanity. Help us to accept your forgiveness and to live in it this day and every day. For we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.